Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. All right, so hello and welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 169. Thanks very much for watching. Those of you who are live and those of you who replay as well. Um, we're on live on Instagram right now, live also on Facebook and live on uh, LinkedIn too. So thanks so much for watching. The poll was basically a landslide. I did a poll uh, this weekend on LinkedIn and on Facebook and uh, overwhelmingly everyone wanted to hear about how to pitch prospects rather than face-to-face -face selling. So thank you very much everyone who voted. Thanks also for those of you who sent through questions. Very interestingly, a lot of these questions have been um, uh, quite similar to each other. So we'll be, I'll be able to kind of tackle these issues uh, as we go. I just want to say um, thanks to all of you dropping in, dropping in straight away and watching. This is fantastic to see as always. And if you are watching live, put in the comments where you're watching from. Make sure you let me know you're watching with a hashtag team live. And if you're watching later on, then watch uh, with a hashtag team replay. Uh, and we'll get into it in a minute. There's a couple of notices, some really exciting things happening. I wanted to start though by saying thank you to everyone who supported last week's New York City event, Entrepreneur Business Live. NYC did really well. It's the third and final one of 2019, and we raised money for the Pencils of Promise charity partner. So uh, they do great work with schools in places like Ghana. So we were really pleased to raise money for them as a donation again uh, for the third time. So uh, thanks to Alison, Jen, also to um, uh, Enzo and uh, the wonderful Martha Bonetta, who came all the way over from uh, Washington DC to speak, uh, talking about how to uh, empower through, uh, inspire empowerment through uh, into business. So it was really exciting to watch and kind of weird for me because the last two, uh, of course, I've been on the ground in New York for them uh, to help the launch. But, uh, but this one I was sitting here in the UK uh, watching the live stream in instead. So it was a little bit weird, but uh, really thrilled to be able to see it kind of blossoming. And this idea of ambassadors for cities to run Entrepreneur Business Live uh, events is really fantastic. So uh, in that, continuing in that vein, we're going to have in uh, a couple of weeks time on the 30th of uh, October, there will be Entrepreneur Business Live San Francisco run by the wonderful Patrick Ward. Uh, more on him in a second. Uh, also, there'll be um, uh, the next one, I think, will be... Uh, no, in fact, he's doing LA, sorry, in November. That's why I was getting a bit confused myself. Uh, September, um, rather, the San Francisco one on the 30th of October will be run by Jonathan Javier. Uh, also with him will be um, Natalie Rizzo and the marvellous Tim Sallow from uh, WeWork. But I'm just really excited that these things are happening. So Ottawa in December run by Nadine Langlois as well. And I'll be running the London one on the 6th of November. I'm very excited about announcing the speakers for that one very soon. Uh, it's going to be on communication and the psychology and interplay between two people often, often when it comes to pitching. So this is kind of what we're covering today. Those of you just tuning in right now, just to let you know, this is Startup Business Q&A, episode 169. So every week, Monday at this time, now on LinkedIn, but also on Facebook and on Instagram, we do a Startup Business Q&A. You can ask questions in the comments uh, about anything, but each week we tend to have a theme. So this week you have all decided to have the theme of how to pitch prospects. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, we will be doing a couple of notices I want to share in a sec. So before we get into the questions, let's start by saying... Very soon, 
before the end of the year, we will be having a very exciting thing. A very exciting thing being the Entrepreneur Business Live Awards. So it's a new idea. Um, I really wanted to do something to kind of celebrate the community and give back and say thank you uh, to all of the hosts that have really been involved in building uh, Entrepreneur Business Live out across the world this year. And uh, I think an awards uh, would be a really good idea. So there'll be five categories. I'll announce them soon. You'll be able to nominate people. So things like, you know, best speaker, um, probably something like best location uh, and so on. And, um, and we'll give us some awards out just as a thank you to everyone who's participated. Um, and then we'll do that before the end of the year. So it'll be a nice way to kind of finish off 2019. Um, if you're live on uh, Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn, just pop in the comments that you're team live right now. Otherwise, put in hashtag team replay. Uh, thanks also to anyone watching um, on IGTV later on. That's where the replay is. Or, of course, you can watch uh, on or listen rather on the podcast. So iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to listen, uh, SoundCloud, you can watch it there. So thanks so much for doing that. Let's get into the questions. So um, in addition to that, you'll see by the topic I've put up here, that it's not just on pitching prospects. There's actually a little extra today. I'm going to be doing a giveaway of sorts. So a kind of an offer about LinkedIn. Now, this is an offer we've done, I've done a couple of times before with great success and I want to share the same again. Uh, so it makes sure you keep your ears open for that. I'll cover it in a few minutes time. It will be a very much a first come first serve basis. So you'll have to be quick off the mark because uh, last, the last two were very subscribed to. So first question, let's go with Karthik V. He didn't give his second name, but Karthik V uh, has asked, how can you pitch your services as a freelancer in a DM, in a direct message, or email without being salesy, Richard? Well, um, I, I really feel that this is answered best, as always, when you understand that you should be taking your cues, so what you should be doing, from the offline world. So what this really means is you should be asking yourself, how can I um, emulate how I would build this kind of relationship offline? So offline is the best example of how we should do this properly. And what that means is in real life, when you meet someone cold for, from scratch, you don't start with a pitch. It doesn't work. It's weird. People feel like they're being gamed and it turns them off. So with this in mind, you need to think to yourself, well, what do I need to do instead? Well, in real life, think, how do you warm someone up? How do you build the relationship? You start with a little bit of small talk, talk and normal chat that is this going to relax someone, build familiarity and build some trust. It's really that simple. And I really feel that we go a bit weird when we're online. We overlook this fact. And instead, what happens is we we want the win right away. And so we cut out the excuse me, the relationship building path part first, which is a mistake because it doesn't matter where you are on or offline, you are still selling to a human. So if you're selling to a human, you need to remember that you have to build a basis of um, familiarity first. From that, you can get trust. And from that, you've earned receptivity. And when you get receptivity, that's when someone decides to want to engage with you. It's as simple as that. So it's the same as in many other ways how you'd pitch people. And you, there's going to be a theme here today with this, uh, Karthik. Looking for the offline cues, how how think about how about how are they at this moment? What are they thinking right now? If you're approaching them cold because 
everyone gets hit up cold uh, with a sales pitch. It's going to be met negatively. Even if they're being polite up here, subconsciously they'll feel negative. So as a result, you need to think, right, instead of courting that line, I need to be a bit more kind of friendly and relaxed instead. So I've got a bit of a frog in my throat this morning, so I'm trying not to cough all over the, all over the cameras. What this means really is you need to think to yourself, how do I warm this person up? Because if you lead with a pitch, then actually your strategy is hope. Your strategy is hope. You are hoping they happen to be in the market for it. You are hoping they happen to want to receive this message. And of course, people don't like to be sold to, even if they are in the market for something. And, as a, and what this really means is they don't really uh, receive you well. So if that's happening, you're killing yourself, no matter how good your proposition is. Far better, sorry, <laughs> to take the patient route instead. The patient route is to focus on warming up. This is social platforms after all. In DMs, warm people up first, which means to connect in a relaxed way. Don't be businessy. Don't be salesy. Don't try and sell anything. Just connect. Because not everyone you reach out to will want your product right away. It is far more effective if you're doing this manually in the DMs to be, basically build a connection first. And that, what that looks like is you showing up on their profile, checking out what they do, maybe looking at some content as well, and writing a meaningful comment that stimulates conversation with them. Because that's what you would do offline in real life. If you wouldn't say it to someone offline, so in the street, as an opening line, then you shouldn't really be saying it online. And if I've, I've stuck by these rules for years and they've really helped me because what I've found is that by just being normal and genuine like a human with at least outwardly no, no apparent agenda to want to close someone on something, firstly, you end up with a worst case scenario of people are still interested in you at least and you have an interesting conversation and then maybe a great connection gets built. But at the very least beyond there, you get someone who's more receptive to wanting to work with you. So it's the same as, as a freelancer, Karthik, as with anything else. You don't, to, to not be salesy, just don't be salesy. And the way it works, the formula is really simple. If you are building familiarity, there's some trust. When there's trust, there's receptivity, which means that they are willing to listen. If they're willing to listen, then you can talk about the world you inhabit. Don't pitch them still, you talk about the world you inhabit. And what happens is if you give enough value, you start positioning yourself as a bit, as a bit of an expert. And if you give it sufficient value that you get someone say, hey, this is actually quite useful, then you're earning the right now to pitch them. That's the point where you can pitch someone. It's the equivalent offline of someone walking into your shop. When someone walks into your shop, you have earned the right to pitch them because they've come in knowing this is a place where buying is done. What happens is if you move from familiarity first because you don't know the person to talking about, about work and then from there move to a place where like, hey, you're really good at this. That's the equivalent of them saying, hey, I'm in your shop now. And that's when you can say, well, I know I can help. So let's talk a bit more about how that might look. So that's very important. Danny Battle Hill uh, over from New Zealand watching. Well done. Uh, Team Live on Facebook has said, uh, be genuine, make a laugh, keep it lighthearted and build the value between you both first. Then you have trust and that's where you have a loyal customer. 
trust is the foundation of any deal, any deal you've ever made. It has to last, uh, start with that. And I think that um, it's, there's, there's actually a, a real upside in having um, a bit of social with someone. So if there's an opportunity for uh, a bit of a, a laugh, then you need to think about how far you go uh, and recognise that you don't know the person that well yet. But without question, there's nothing wrong with being human with them and, you know, enjoying yourself, basically. So that's something I would certainly suggest. It's a really good point, Danny. Um, let's go on to another question before I talk about the giveaway here. I just want to see what's going on over on LinkedIn. Hopefully you're live there and no problem at all. Uh, looks like we should be. Uh, and over on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook, that's absolutely fine. There's a question coming through on Instagram here uh, from ta ta blanket or ta blanket. How can I pitch my product Tablanket to investors? I don't know what Tablanket is. However, what I would say is the investors are buyers. Okay, you need to look at investors as buyers. And the way to court a buyer is very simple. You need to be interesting enough that they feel, of course, that there's someone, someone worth investing in. But you need to go further. Most people, when they pitch investors, they want to talk about how great their product is. Instead, it's far better to talk about why they should be involved right now. You should talk about why they are the people to be involved right now. And you should talk about why they are going to get a return if they invest right now. So there's a little saying, which is why us, why change and why now? And if you can answer those three questions for, for the investor, that will help a lot. So give them a reason why now is an exciting time for this to happen. Create what's known as some tension create some novelty. If you explain your product from a product manager's point of view, as in, this is my baby, I love it so much, I work so hard on it, so therefore please invest in me, you end up with people being a bit bored because that's no win for them. You need to sell as in, as if they are going to buy something, because they really are. And they need to buy not just the great opportunity, they need to buy you as well. If you aren't fun or charismatic or interesting, it's often harder, not impossible, but harder for someone to want to lean in, investing you. The, the businesses that I've invested in, I haven't invested in millions of them, but a few of them over the years, the ones I've invested in, mostly startups, have been ones where I really trust and I'm bought into the buyers first, it's not down to the product. It's not. Uh, it's down to their great sense of belief and the fact that I sense they've done their homework. Because what's very important is if you're going to try and pitch your product to investors is that you've shown or you show you've done your homework. And what that really means is you cover the downside. It's so easy to talk about how effective you might be or how wonderful your product is but an investor will be also looking to cover the downside of investing in you. So if they give you money, right, what happens if X goes wrong? They will be thinking it, so you have to cover that as well. If you have a partner, what happens if you lose them? What about your competitors? Have you even Googled what you do to see if someone else does it, for instance? Cover the downside, because that's what they would want to do before they put in any money into it. What's their return on investment going to look like as well? But it all needs to start with you coming across as someone who knows what they're doing. So you need to practice that pitch. You need to um, think about the story and the reason why this is a novel new idea rather than just a product to invest in. Because you think it is good, 
isn't a good enough reason for an investor to be involved, okay? It needs to be something more compelling than that. So given the backstory, what's the reason why something exciting is happening right now? And given therefore the reason why there is an appetite for this, and look at and show them how their money might, might be returned back. Really good, a really good book on this is Pitch Anything um, by Oren Claff. I'm a big fan of that. I read it again recently. And so it just really confirms a lot of my philosophy on this kind of thing. So hopefully that helps a bit, Tablanket. Uh, great question uh, to kick us off today. And so I'm scrolling through more questions here. Good to see everyone here on Instagram. Sam the Barber 962 is here. Angelina Evans leads. Ben Badilla is here. Den De W is here. Uh, Roman J. Swim, uh, Kano Banislava, and so on. Nice to see you as well, Bob Lowe, Daniel Nunes, Madeline Black, Sagian Carell, Danny's Batters Hill, Laurie Heath Nudson, Steve Hodson, Ty Brook Ramya, John Husnain, all on Facebook. Thanks for watching there as well. And if you're watching live, make sure you put in hashtag Team Live or hashtag Team Replay if you're watching uh, later on. Before I get into the giveaway, the giveaway come offer for LinkedIn. Let's have a look at what's happening on, on uh, LinkedIn as well. Thank you everyone for joining in. Shane Picotto, man, it's uh, been like 10 years since we worked together. So nice to see you on here. Uh, Luke Nethercliffe, Team Live from Warwick University. Shout out for you lot. It was nice to see you all last week uh, talking about LinkedIn. Leila Hosseini, uh, good to see you, Team Live from London. Um, Joe Afia, a great, such great advice. Thank you very much, my man. Like, really good to see you again. And Rick Hogan, very true and amplified in the UK, which is even more anti-smoking mirrors and salesy culture than the USA. Damn right it is. Any of that BS, and it's just like, leave it out completely. So you've got to be a bit more genuine and authentic. It really makes a big difference. Um, when I think that, uh, uh, oh, well, there's actually a really good question here. Luke Nethercliffe. Uh, who is asked when we when it comes to that that DM moment when we're pivoting from a DM into a call? Um, do you have a key phrase that you use when making your ask? Yeah, I keep it low risk, Luke. Rather than hey, let's work together, I'll just you know there's simple words that are low risk and they are low pressure. Like, would you like to explore? This is my favourite, and everyone who's worked with me knows it because I've heard it. Would you like to explore what it would look like if we worked together? And who can say no to that if you've earned the right? If someone's interested in you, receptive, leaning in, trusting you, feeling a bit more familiar, and you say, would you like to explore? What you're really saying is, there's no risk here, let's have a look. And who wouldn't want to do that? So it's a really good way of making sure that you get a yes. And it you know, takes you to the next step, say a phone call or something like that. Now, I'm so thirsty, I don't have a drink, but I'm gonna talk about my LinkedIn offer for you. So two weeks ago, I was in Milan and I did a workshop for four hours. <laughs> a four hour, I, I didn't set how long it was meant to be. I was told to do a four hour workshop uh, on the back of a presentation about LinkedIn. And, and I was a case study leveraging LinkedIn the last year or so specifically to build my entrepreneur business live events um, uh, series. Um, it was it was really well received. I did the talk to 900 people and we did the workshop. To, I think it was 39 in the end. And it was really exciting because um, this is a workshop I'd done twice online as well. So the LinkedIn masterclass, as I'd call it, because why not, um, is if you have any respect at all for what I'm doing on LinkedIn and you feel that any of the tips, hacks or, or daily routine I use to get results on LinkedIn are worth being aware of, then I'm doing a two hour workshop 
on Thursday this week. It is online. It's not one of those webinars. Have you been on these web? Give me a <laughs> give me a yes. I've been on one in a comment. If you've been on one of those webinars where it's an hour, you can't fast forward it. They've clearly pre-recorded it, and the first twenty minutes is. I was at rock bottom and then I became a wonderful superstar from, you know, I, I built, I beat all the doubters kind of nonsense story. And then it talks, gives you like 13 minutes of actual value. And then there's 20 minutes at the end of upselling you. If you've been on one of those, say, say, yeah, I've been on one. They're a nightmare because you just want to fast forward and get the juice in the middle, right? It's not one of those. Don't worry, because that's a pain, right? Instead, it is live. I will actually be in a closed Zoom hangout with you. It will be on Thursday. I'm just going to check the time. Uh, it will be Thursday this week for the 24th at 3 p.m. UK time. So that's 4 p.m. Europe time. And that is 10 a.m. Is it 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And I've done it at 3 p.m. so that even in... Uh, West Coast, you can cover it as well. So 3 p.m. my time will be 15 minus 8 will be 7 a.m. Uh, for the early risers in West Coast US. So everyone can watch it. So the masterclass will be two hours. It will be a Zoom chat. It will be broken, in, broken into two sections. About an hour and a quarter of me going through not just the three C's of LinkedIn, because a lot of you have done that already on the course, but the three C's of LinkedIn and what I'm literally doing right now. So the cutting edge stuff that seems to be working. I love, I love that I'm not someone with hundreds of thousands of followers. This seems weird, but I love it because I'm getting fantastic results. Every week I get new inbound inquiries, wonderful opportunities for businesses to work with them and a very exciting inbounds, which means, you know, I'm not pitching all day long to try and close business. So that's coming from the techniques I'm using. Are there better ones? Possibly, but they're the ones that work for me. And the reason why I love the fact I've only got, what, 12 and a half thousand followers is that I am very relatable. I'm very related to those of you who haven't maybe done so much on LinkedIn because I, I barely had started a year and a half ago, okay? So these are the things I'm using right now. It is literally the little tips, tips and tricks you need to know. Uh, all of that I'll be doing across an hour and a quarter or so. And then the remaining 45 minutes or so will be a Q&A. So, so again, it is not a pre-recorded webinar. I will literally be let there. You'll see me on the webcam and I'll be going through what I do, but also I will be um, able to hear from you and you can ask me questions as we go along. Done two already online. Daniel Nunez here on, on um, uh, Facebook from LinkedIn is saying, I've been on one. Hopefully you liked it, uh, Daniel. The reception's been fantastic. The first one went so well that I did a second one. I'm only gonna do 10 slots. The reason why I'm only gonna do 10 slots is because it gets a bit difficult to manage everyone at the same time. Uh, so we'll do 10 slots only. So it'll be first come, first serve. Now, before you jump in, the way to sign up if you want to is you have to send me a direct message. Simply say, I'm in for LinkedIn. However, um, there will be a fee involved as well. This kind of thing normally uh, I would, you know, I would charge $400 for an hour of my time. If you go to my website, you can see that's the price of a consulting call. However, I want this to make, I want to kind of make this accessible to everyone. So it's $99 for the whole thing. Okay, you get the slide deck as well afterwards if you want, but basically allows you to have that live time with me going through LinkedIn. We'll go through how the profile should look and then we can Q&A and you can be hyper selfish, 
hyper selfish on questions about your profile and so on uh, for that two hour stint. So that'll be from 3 p.m. UK time on Thursday, 24th this week. Uh, last time, everyone just signed up straight away. If you want to get in, you need to DM me. You can do it now if you choose, but don't don't go off the live stream. Um, you can DM me right away and it'll be $99. Send you the link. Burst in gets it. So you need to write in, uh, I'm in for LinkedIn. Okay, so if you want to do it, then let's go. Now, let's get on to the next question. If you're interested, let me know on that. Just jump in the DMs. Uh, good to see some already, so that's good. So um, Bob Lowe and Jenny Sherman have both asked me similar questions. So I'm going to ask, answer them together. How do you go from conversations to introducing or pitching your services, says Jenny, specifically in a DM direct message environment? Bob Lowe has asked, how do you build conversation with a new prospect to eventually get to the point where it's right to pitch. This is the same kind of question. And I just want to be really clear. I've kind of covered this already, but I want to be really clear here. You need to not talk shop right away. The way you do it, and everyone's like, how do I move from the friend, show, friend zone? Some people are just asking here about this webinar thing. So just to be clear, if you can't make the live stream, Danny Battersill, for instance, you're in New Zealand, I understand. If you can't make the live stream, it's recorded and you'll get access to the whole replay as well. So it's no problem at all. And needless to say, I'll answer your questions retrospectively. So if you want to still be involved, but can't stay up at that time, then you can buy it. You don't have to be on it, and then you get to watch the replay. Plenty of people have done that the last two times I did it. Uh, so hopefully that helps. So the key thing about this, if you talk shop at the start, you're killing yourself. In 2019, people are used to being gamed. Bots and pitches aren't working very well because they are automatically framed as spam and a waste of time. It doesn't matter how good your pitch is, it's like a withheld number on your landline at home. It doesn't work so well because the natural conditioned reaction of the recipient is, this is going to waste my time. So they therefore, they therefore are going to start in a negative perspective. As a result, you need to warm up first. Play the social familiar game. Do what you would do offline anyway. Warm them up. And yes, some people will take 15 minutes, but also some people will take 15 weeks. It's just how it is. You need to take your time with it. So the focus has to be to warm them up first. Get social. It is practical. Dare to be interesting and fun with people. And when you start this interesting space, kind of work in this interesting space of just finding something about them that's interesting. Maybe you're in a similar group on Facebook or something like that. There's your kind of mutual or common interest you can leverage. And it's a really good idea to start with something like that. Hey, I see you in the same group. How are you doing? How's your weekend? How's it going? That's what you would do when you meet someone in real life for the first time. And what you need to understand is you won't be closing everyone. Okay, and not everyone will want to buy for reasons uh, you know that are beyond your your control. So, for instance, sometimes people aren't going to ever buy. I know some people who are really strong followers of mine who will never spend a dollar online because they just they just they've been burnt in the past. Or they don't feel like they want to spend money online as a trust issue. Maybe that's cool, but you just got to understand not everyone's going to close. So, the the key thing is to. Focus on building familiarity and the familiarity may well start in their comments on their content if you want to take the really long route, but patience is everything. How long does it take is not a question that should answer, in, it should pop into your head. It should be just enjoying the process of connecting with someone. 
What will happen is with the familiar familiarity that comes through building conversation with someone is that inside that brain, there'll be some trust forming because familiarity is where trust comes from. And what happens next is if you get onto the subject of work or what they do or, or something, and if they say, so what is it you do? That's the point when you can talk a bit about it, but you don't pitch still. You just share what you do because it's conversation. And the crucial part is if you get on the topic of something that they need or work on where you can help, as in your business could help them, then it's everything to make sure you gently position yourself as an expert. Now, an expert must be defined at this point. An expert is purely relative. To my children, I'm an expert at playing the guitar. To most people, I'm really not. I was self-taught and probably play about four tunes and it's awful. So it's a relative thing. I could teach my children piano. I played to like grade three or so, but most constant pianists would be laughing if I sat it down at it. So to some, I'm an expert, to others, I'm not. Now, when I give value against the topic in the DMs that we're talking about, if that person sees me as an expert because the value I'm giving is sufficiently useful against their level of ignorance, let's just call it, then what happens is you get what's known as a cue. And the cue takes the form of a compliment. I've said this many times before. This is basically someone saying, do you know what? That's really helpful. I never heard it that way before. Wow, what a great way of looking at it, stuff like that. And all that is, is the invitation now that you can ask. So that's how you do your pivot. It's an organic process. In the same way as you meet someone in the, you know, in the park when you're walking your dog and you just say, hey, and the thing you've got that's mutually in, mutually in common is that you have dogs. In the same way as it might be online that you have uh, a group you're part of. The dogs are what you have in common. You just chat about dogs. It's small talk. You may even park company, you see each other the next day. Then you get another uh, shot at it and they, maybe something happens. You're like, oh, what happened there? And they've got a big bandage on their arm and it's just they talk about something else they did. And maybe that leads to a conversation about the work they do. Maybe it doesn't. But it doesn't matter because you take as long as it takes. But perhaps eventually that person talks about a thing you can help with. And so when they talk about that, you're like, well, I can definitely help with that, actually, because they've said, this is what I do. And you've said, well, have you thought about doing it this way? And they went, wow, that's a really good way of looking at it. And when you then say, I know I can help you with it, they're like, yeah, that'd be really great. You've earned the rights. It's as simple as that. There's all of all, all there is to it. It's just being patient. Stop being so desperate to close things. They will close if they can close, but far better to earn that cue, if that makes sense. That's the approach I'd take. So Bob and Jenny, great questions. I hope that helps a bit. That's the way to look at it. John Bishop, yes, I've been on 100%. I don't know what you mean there. Sorry, my man. And But uh, thank you very much for the comment on LinkedIn. Uh, Graham Richardson, good to see you uh, on Bishopsgate, Team Live. Good to see you uh, in London. I'll be there very soon. Uh, next notice on that, in fact, is London. The final Entrepreneur Business Live event of 2019 will be on the 6th of November. Um, I'm very excited about it, but also kind of sad. It's like the last one of the year, but we haven't had one for a few months now. I'm going to try and probably move them to quarterly because we're obviously doing quite a few other events. And next year, 
Uh, we've already got a few lined up, the likes of Phoenix, the likes of Tel Aviv, the likes of Washington, D.C. as well. Uh, but the big push is Asia. I'm excited about working there. Anyone gone, gone off on off-piste on how exciting my events are? Um, let's go on to another uh, question. Ryan Zadrazil asks from LinkedIn, how can we incorporate storytelling in our pitches while keeping it relevant to the product or service we're pitching? Here is the beautiful thing about selling, Ryan, that people aren't buying your product or service. That's just the device through which they consume you. What they're really buying is you. Or if you're a business, they're buying your brand and the vibe of what it stands for. So what's exciting is that if someone's really into you or your values or your brand or what you stand for, then an additional way of consuming you is should they need it, your product. So for instance, if I make lawn mowers, right, to cut the grass, and people think I'm amazing, then they will show up for my content because they enjoy it, and in their spare time, they want to hang out with me and check out my content. But when they need a lawn mower, I'm the guy they come and buy from. Do you see what I mean? So that's simply how it works. And with this in mind, the storytelling in our pitches, and I'm gonna get really specific on your question in a sec, but for starters, our storytelling can be a little bit, it doesn't have to be too full on with stories, it can be a little bit just about sharing who you are. But yes, you know, what I mean by that is like, you know, what you're doing day to day, and that what that can be is you're kind of almost semi-pitching through, uh, through your content. But certainly storytelling in your pitches, it's, it's got to be relevant, in the sense that it builds a, a bit of a story in, in uh, the direction of why you exist and what, what this kind of, the impetus you had behind building your product exists. And a great way to look at it is not why just you felt is important, but why you know there's an audience that needs this. So you're talking about their peers and why they need to make use of your service as well. But in a way that suggests that there's this appetite for it and there's some sense of appetite for it right now. So as I said a bit earlier, it shouldn't be just why us and why change, as in why use my product now, but it also should be why now. You know, why now? Because if otherwise it's a case of, oh, thanks for letting me know about the product and I'll buy it when I feel like it. Ideally, you're giving a bit more than that, as in there's this thing happening right now, which is why we're so compelled to sell this thing or, or to make this thing at least. And that's a really important part of storytelling. The key thing about storytelling is you don't want to go too far. You must set the scene and frame this whole conversation so have, people have a sense, a sense of context as to why this is something special. Bring some real novelty here. Back on that analogy, if I was selling lawnmowers, I need to bring some novelty to why I'm making these lawnmowers. If they're precisely the same, same as everyone else, well then what really is the, uh, you know, what, what's the USP there? So and that's unique selling point. What's the, what's the angle I have on it? And if you don't know that, you shouldn't be pitching yet you should be thinking about what the angle is what's the reason why people should be buying your product rather than the next companies that is such a crucially consideration and then you work that into your story in the sense of like this is why we were so compelled to do this and it's exciting because you can bring in anecdotes and war stories and things like that as well and when people really buy into that you can then momentarily pivot out, and it's momentarily, it's literally a couple of minutes, and explain what it is they get in the product. But that's all there is to it. You mustn't spend too long giving all the fine minutiae of how your products work, because no one cares. 
Remember, the product is the way in which, another way in which someone can consume you. It is not what they're buying. They're buying you and they're buying your kind of vibe and why you're so interesting, okay? And so bring that intrigue, bring that sense of tension. There's this thing happening. Make yourself scarce, you know, like, I'm glad I've got this pitch right now. I have to dash in half an hour, but let's really get down to it. Or, you know, I've, I'm seeing people all day about this and there seems to be a lot of the appetite for it. So you're sharing that, you know, you're, you're in demand as well. Otherwise, it's just dull because what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I'm going to talk about what I do. And hopefully you can then do all the work and all the work is you selling yourself and it's boring and it's not interesting for someone to buy something when typically we sell things that people uh, that are slightly less urgent or essential than oxygen and, and things like that. Right. So you, if you're selling something of value, but that isn't absolutely essential, you need to court them and get them to fall in love with you a bit. And that starts with sharing an interesting story about you and why you've built this thing and why this is why now is the time to jump in involved in it? And it goes back to the question earlier uh, from Tablanket about how to court investors. It's the same kind of principle there. So I hope that helps. It's a good question. Just Jess N. Bullying now on uh, Instagram. Wow, I missed your live streams. Thank you very much for, for that. Montinaro, Gabrielle, great to see you here as well. Roxer MK, it's good to see you. Uh, Gary Barrett. Oh, Gabby, nice to see you. I uh, saw you in Milan, of course, uh, watching from Germany, I think you might be. Um, and Soltar Co, good to see you here as well. Uh, very nice uh, to have you on, on the live stream. Chantel just chimed in from uh, Wisconsin. Where have you been? 40 minutes have passed already, almost done. Uh, but thank you very much for watching. And uh, over on LinkedIn, let's see who's watching down here. Quite a few of you. Oh yes, John Bishop, quite right. Very much bored of the webinars where it's, hey, this is my sob story. And now here's four minutes of value. And then there's another 20 minutes of me telling you you have to upsell. And no, there is no fast forward button. They're the worst webinars. No one wants to do them. And the only people that get happy by them are typically those that are indulged, uh, which are the people who actually produce them. So just to recap, those of you joining right now, um, the offer here, the giveaway, if you like, with LinkedIn is the same masterclass, uh, but a shortened version because it's not four hours that I gave in Milan a uh, week before last um, to uh, at Digital Design Days. Um, I also have done this masterclass twice already. It's sold out both times uh, online. 10 slots only. We've already got some people asking for it. And very simply, on the 24th, this week on Thursday, for two hours in a closed Zoom hangout. So you get to, it's based, Zoom is like Skype. You get to watch with me. I will physically, well, I will be virtually be there live. So it won't be pre-recorded. I will show you what I personally do with my LinkedIn. If you're a newbie to LinkedIn, you should watch it to see what I do because I'm quite a newbie as well. I'm just getting great results. If you're established on LinkedIn, watch it to check the boxes and see if you're missing anything. And if you're a superstar on LinkedIn, watch it to check the boxes and see that you're not missing anything because it's always important to check that you learn things. Um, one thing I've learned from coaching people over the years is you can still learn no matter how great you are. And I think it's always worth doing. So I want to make it accessible for everyone and the price everyone can afford. So it's only $99 if you want to get involved. You have to DM me now because we're already getting a few come through. Um, and you have to write, I'm in for LinkedIn. I'll send you the link out and you can, once you've done the payment, you're in. 
only 10 slots because it gets ridiculous. Otherwise, it's just not possible to manage you all. Um, and if you can't watch it, you can still buy it and then you can watch the replay afterwards. So it'll be about an hour and a quarter of going through the strategy I use, literally the minutiae, and then 45 minutes of what I call a selfish Q&A where you can ask any question. You can be like, here's my profile. What do I do on it? So we can ask stuff uh, specifically for you. Let me know if you're in. Ping over into uh, the DMs. Uh, I'm in for LinkedIn and we'll get you signed up Thursday 24th at 3 p.m. UK time. So that's 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And that is uh, 7 a.m. West, uh, Western time, if you're in Western, West Coast time in the US. Just Jess Emberling now has said you should become prime minister. People would listen to you. No, thanks. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the worst. I don't think I'd ever want to be a prime minister here. Um, Certainly not right now, at least, uh, Jess. It would be a mess. Thank you for, for saying those very kind. Uh, Danny Batsil has added on Facebook. Yeah, Richard, thank you again for the brilliant live streams. I typically watch them over breakfast if I can't make it. Love your work. Thank you. Final question. I've got two, actually. I'll print one upside down. Oliver Mameni, who put his question in like 14 minutes before we started the live stream today. Love the topic, Richard. Here's one I get asked often. And would love to hear your take on how to establish rapport with a prospect that needs help, but just doesn't want to open up. Give us a thumbs up or a like if you've come across this one before. Doesn't just want to just doesn't want to open up in order to move on with the entire warm up discovery phase of the initial breakthrough call. Look, if you're working with someone manually, so you're doing the DMs, for example, and they, they are not yet willing to open up, it's a reflection of you, and it's always good to kind of blame yourself for stuff because then you have a bit more control, right? It means you're not creating enough familiarity yet. All humans mostly are built the same in that with trust comes receptivity and with receptivity comes openness. And if that is missing, it's because there's not enough familiarity or you're not being approachable enough. Now that's a crucial part because what a lot of people do when they try and position themselves as valuable is they overdo it. And you must have seen this before. Some people overflex and they're the big shot and they have the power play and they're trying to be the big man or whatever. And what happens is they're being inaccessible because you want to be approachable first. So people are cool with being around you kind of and building that familiarity. If you're too full on with I'm so amazing, I'm so amazing, people don't want to hang out with you no matter how much value you can bring because you're being a bit of an idiot. So just the ego needs to be removed completely. That's the start point. But typically you build this rapport by talking about them. Do the research. In 2019, it is criminal to not because online, how can you not find out stuff about people? Obviously don't overstalk. Stalk, but not overstalk. If you're finding out about the, you know, the names of their children, you've gone too far. You shouldn't need telling this, though. <laughs> but what I do think is that it's not difficult to hop onto a profile, see the group someone's involved in, look at their posts and content and see what they do. And when you get a sense of it, write comments on it. Talk about it. The reason why I've managed to be very fortunate enough to get um, best-selling authors or top business owners uh, or, or people in business and professors at business schools to engage with me, to write me emails and so on, people who wrote some of these books up here, is because I dared to bother putting some work in. 
And what that work looks like is actually reading their content, reading their books, consuming their videos, putting out for them first, basically. So it shows that I'm interested in more than just trying to close someone. And yeah, that takes time, sorry, but the question is always, what's the outcome you're after? And the outcome, if it's the outcome that you're after is to get people to kind of or tick a box of I'm, I'm connecting with as many people as possible and play the volume game, well, you're gonna get very few results. But if instead the focus is how do I warm someone to effectively to the point where they, they want to do something with me, well, then you need to take your time. And some people will take months. And I work with, I have clients who have taken months to build rapport with and others who haven't. And it's because patience is crucial because once you overstep that mark, and ask too early, what happens is that person then distrusts you somewhat because look, it feels like you're trying to sell to them and the people hate to be sold to. They love the feeling like it's organic because people love to buy. So let them in, let them buy, buy into you first. Just be sociable. Is there an opportunity for banter or joke? So make it. Warm them up as you would a new friend. That's it. That's the end of it. And what happens is the opportunity may come up when you talk shop that you could help them and give them some value. And there is your opportunity to show them what you're made of. And when they start suggesting you know your stuff, that's your opportunity to convert them to the breakthrough call. And just like I said to Luke earlier from Warwick who asked on LinkedIn, what's the phrasing? That's the point where you say, well, look, I know I can help here. Would you like to explore what it would look like if we work together? And everyone always says yes, because you've earned that right, because you've actually gone through a process of building familiarity first. A great example is my brother-in-law, okay, is a, a carpenter. So if it comes to carpentry needs, he's my guy. And the reason why isn't because he might be the world's greatest carpenter. He's good enough, which makes it, that would be awkward otherwise, <laughs> but he's more than good enough. And so what happens is when I, um, you know, we've kind of gone through the process of building a relationship. We know each other well. We get on really well. So then, if I needed a carpenter, as I said earlier, that's a way in which I can consume him. It was always it would always be him because we've got the relationship. You see, someone who I know is a best friend who maybe is really good at uh, I don't know graphic design. If I need a graphic designer, he will probably get the gig because why wouldn't you reach out to people you trust first? So to try and bypass the human part is just stupidity because you're always interfacing with humans and you get the rapport by doing the research on their profile and their content and then taking it from there. So that's the way I would look at it. At it. Leila Hosseini has asked, uh, head of partnerships at Warwick Incubator. There's a lot of Warwick people on here. I'm not surprised after last week. You mentioned about building trust. Do you think there are mechanisms of seeing through sellers who build fictitious narratives? Yes. What we're asking here is, is it obvious to call the BS when uh, when marketers are um, or sellers are making things up? It is possible. It's not always easy. If you're entry level at, you know, the world of being a buyer or in with of online marketing, as an example, you tend to find that those that are very good at it tend to sell you um, because they're really good at covering the BS if there is any and you're not very good at picking up on it. And time and exposure, as with anything, is how you learn your lessons. Um, there aren't always the mechanisms, but I would, I'm healthily cynical, I would say, 
I've been in business for 17 years after university and I've spent a lot of time around people and people trying to sell things and I can see the BS a long way off and I can tell when people are trying to game me, it's so obvious. And um, some people are obvious and sometimes people think they're being subtle and they're still being obvious because you can see it. So the mechanisms I, I always have is if someone's flexing or trying to show off, that's, that suggests to me they're being a bit needy because they shouldn't have to. And if they are flexing or showing off, I will often test it. So I'll be cynical, never take things on face value. If they talk about how good they are, well, let's have a look then. And it should be very obvious. If they're saying they're the best in the world, well, why isn't the world talking about them? That's like people who are LinkedIn experts, LinkedIn trainers, uh, comes across it all the time. I have people who send me messages, I'm a LinkedIn trainer, let me help you, Richard. And you go to their LinkedIn and you're like, well, well why isn't anyone engaging in your stuff then? So the mechanism is test. Any of the statements or flexes that they make, you should go test. Cynically, in a good way, because it's about you know making sure you're not doing anything that's gonna jeopardize or risk you. So uh, that's the way I would look at it. It's a very important way uh, uh, to test things before you buy. Um, same as anything on the, on the offline world. I remember once I was looking to buy a car and I was going to the different car showrooms to buy a car, I was checking out the difference I had. And there was this one guy um, who, had advertised the car, so I was check, checking out checking out all opportunities, and he met me with the car in a car park, for like at the back of a, an office block, and I was like, "Where's the office?" He's like, "Oh no, I'm just in uh, it's in the car park." I'm like, it just doesn't feel right. So your intuition is usually useful there, and it's like, it's if it's not legit or if it sounds too good to be true, it often is. That's the way to look at it. So hopefully that helps a bit. Uh, Malini Rao, good to see you on here. Thank you very much. You need to build your brand name. Yes, we certainly do. And that helps a lot with the entry point with pitching without question. It helps a lot when you're walking in to um, uh, a pitch and they already have known you if they watch your webinars or, or your, you know, your, your videos and things like that. I've found that's helped me no end. Nothing beats starting a meeting with someone saying, oh, wow, I watched your videos on LinkedIn. I really like it. That kind of thing helps me a lot uh, because there's the familiarity there already. Um, let's finish with the last question. Before I go, remember the EBL, Entrepreneur Business Live Awards, will be coming up soon. That will probably be in December. There will be awards for things like best speaker, best event, and so on, five categories. Uh, I really want to celebrate the community that's helped build the Entrepreneur Business Live events uh, across the last year. Um, and also we'll have um, the next Entrepreneur Business Live event is San Francisco on the 30th of October. You can see all the details on therichardmore.com. It will be about building communities. I'm really excited about this one. And also, on, but even nearer, on the 24th of, um, <clears throat> of October, on Thursday this week, 3 p.m. UK time, so it's 10 a.m. Eastern time, I'll be doing a two-hour masterclass on LinkedIn. So if you want to join and learn how I do LinkedIn. I'll be explaining it with a Q&A, so I'll be live with you and we can do it together. Um, then you can, do, you can join that. You have to send me a, a DM saying, I'm in for LinkedIn, and then they'll send you the link. It's $99 and you can join in uh, and you get uh, access to, to the, closed, um, the closed workshop. Let's do one last question. Mirav Levine has asked, how do you get prospects to make a decision quickly? Is there a natural way to create a sense of urgency or scarcity without the sale, typical sales rush lingo that is so overused? Yeah, whatever you do, don't do the thing that's obviously salesy, which is, I'm going to need it by today. Uh, or there's this crazy coincidence in the world where we happen to have a discount once a year, and that happens to be today. 
you know, because it's just ridiculous and people won't fall for it. And if they do, it's not it's not good. Uh, but, you, we, you know, we want to avoid that kind of uh, uh, kind of talk. So to get people to make a decision quickly in a natural way is really simple. You do such a good job that they want it. Um, chocolate manufacturers do such a good job of making an amazing product that's so tasty that people naturally want it. You don't have to have someone in a shopping centre close you on buying a Mars bar. You just buy it because you love it. You know what's, what it's all about. You've already been pre-closed on things. So natural urgency comes from you thinking, wow, this is too good to pass up. However, stimulating real urgency is far better and more effective. And the simple thing is rather than just saying you want urgency, you have to put in a business reason. And if you put a business reason in against some sense sense of tension along the lines of uh, exclusivity or scarcity or or that there's a narrative. We talked about storytelling a bit earlier with Ryan's question at at the start of your pitch that there's some kind of narrative about why now is the time for this thing. Then it will set the scene that there is an urgency or time frame factor involved. There always should be a sense of urgency to any sale. That doesn't mean you're being hyperactive and telling them they've got to make a decision right now. There's always a sense that they have to make an, take an action. Otherwise, you end up being a very, very expensive notification service. You're just simply telling people about your product, then hope they won't want to buy it in, your own, in their own time. Basically, you, it's a best, a best place to start here is to write down all of the, the attempts or, or the approaches or the methods people use uh, to try and add urgency that are not met uh, successfully. They're the ones that are really like roll the eyes salesy. Write those ones down and make sure you don't use them. Then think about what the narrative would be as the reason why they should make a decision right now. Why? Why would they want to make a decision now based on a business reason? It could be there's a lack of... Um, Uh, Maybe there's some scarcity or exclusivity. If there is, you need to explain why. Don't just say we've got three items left. If I sell, let's use lawnmowers again. If I sell lawnmowers, I don't say you've got to buy one now because I've got three left. That's too salesy. But if I give the explanation or the story as to why there are only three left, now it makes a bit more sense. If I say like it's crazy, everyone's because of all the rain recently. Everyone's got these crazy lawns and so, and the, so they're all buying these new lawnmowers or it's the time of year, so whatever it might be. Give a reason or context behind your business reason. I'm just making it up on the spot. But the point I'm making is don't just give a business reason, but give the story or reason as to why there is that business reason. And that makes it believable. You shouldn't be lying. You should just be simply able to find the reason why there's scarcity or, or, or a need to, to make a decision right now. OK. Just be aware that BS urgency will be sniffed out right away. Not everyone will call you on it. Not everyone's as confrontational as that. Most people won't be like, hang on, you're clearly talking rubbish. Only I've encountered mostly only in the UK where people be that direct with you and sometimes in the US a bit as well. But I do think people will typically be polite and go, oh, OK, and then they just disappear and ghost you forever. So that's that's your your kind of feedback that it's not really worked so well. Um, So you need to create, what would really help as well is create a lean in at the start. If you're interested enough to begin with Mirav, what happens is is that people are wanting to buy from you. Weave that narrative through the start, including um, the urgency as well. The the reason why they should be buying is not just the quality of the product and the excitement of why you've come across this need to build this thing in the first place, but 
in there should be this tension that actually there's some scarcity. There's a, there's a, only an opportunity right now to buy something. Be delicate with it, but add it at the start. And what happens is, it, as I said, it sets the tone all the way through, all the way through uh, to the very end, when they're like, I, in their head, they're thinking, I get it. I have to make a decision right away. But they should want to. They should want to because they like you. The number one thing you need is trust. And the number one thing to get there is a great sense of rapport. The moment you kill yourself in terms of being uh, losing the rapport with someone the, is, is the moment you're making things tremendously difficult and you better hope they really want to buy from you. So that's the way to look at it, okay? I really hope this has helped today. This is scratching the surface. And I, I actually had to curate a lot of these questions because quite a few of them are overlapping. But there's some really interesting things in here. So thank you, everyone, for watching. Thanks again to those who were in the New York City event last week. Alison and Jenny did a great job. Uh, thanks already for those of you who've decided you want to come to uh, the LinkedIn Masterclass. Um, typically, not everyone can make it. I understand that. You can still buy it and you can watch the replay. It's on Thursday. I'm in for LinkedIn is what you need to write in the DMs. And then I'll send you the details uh, and the payment link. But basically, um, uh, it's, it's two hours of, of workshop. I've run this already and it's gone down really well. Um, and finally, I'm really excited to announce that very soon we'll be giving, we'll be doing the nominations for the link, sorry, for LinkedIn, for the Entrepreneur Business Live Awards. Very excited about that too. So thank you very much uh, to Patrick Ward for helping me hash out uh, how that's going to look as well. It's been really helpful uh, to talk with you about this. It's been a real pleasure. Have a great week ahead. Thank you very much for watching. Next week will be episode 170. Gosh, it's a lot. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. It'll be 200 soon. 200 will be, it'll be like April next year probably, but it's some way off, I suppose. Thank you very much to everyone who's been watching. Have a great day. If you're watching uh, on the replay on IGTV or YouTube or wherever you're watching, thank you very much for listening on the podcast. I'm glad you did. And cheerio, I'll see you soon on Instagram. Thank you very much over on Facebook as well.